Hi everyone, welcome to my ordinary life. These are my mini personal diaries um, and I wanted to start off in kind of an introduction diary just about who I am and what my diaries are about and everything that I discuss in this first episode I will discuss further along. Um, and further diaries. So I want to take it back from the beginning because I kind of want to have you get to know me a little bit and kind of who I am as a person. Um, I was born October 7th, 1989 in Fort Hood, Texas. My mom and biological father were military. They were in the army and they were stationed there. I believe about a month after I was born, I then moved up to Oregon because that is where my my mom is originally from and my biological father I I remember seeing pictures of me and him when I was really young but I don't remember anything you know he left my mom and I'm kind of glad he did because he was really physically abusive to my mom to my mom before she was pregnant and while she was pregnant with me so I'm happy she didn't get to endure that for you know a long period of time um, a few years later, my mom met, um, my sister, my half sister's dad, um, and he adopted me, but he is also a pedophile. So this is where this part of my diary is going to get a little sensitive. It's going to be, um, a trigger topic for some, um, and if you have to turn it off, you know, I will not be offended. Please turn it off. And if, you know, and if you want some support and knowing that you're not the only one out there, then you can listen. Um, I'm not sure when they ended up getting divorced or what caused the divorce. But anyways, they got divorced. And so he then had custody of me and my sister. I believe it was like every other weekend or every weekend. I'm not sure how that worked out. It's kind of fuzzy on that end. And I want to say for a good five to seven years, he, um, you know, molested me and, um, you know, being as a child who's three, four and looking up to what you think is a father figure in your life, you know, as a kid, you listen to your parents, right? Like, when you're three, four, you listen to your parents no matter what they say. <clears throat> it wasn't until I got older that I was like, I think something's wrong. I don't think this is right. I don't know why I started thinking that. I just woke up one day. And I think I, you know, I think maybe I started thinking that is when, you know, I'd have all my girlfriends lived in his neighborhood. So we would all hang out together. But when I would start bringing them over, you know, one by one, things would happen to them. And I wouldn't necessarily know. Um, my gut always told me something did happen, but I never saw it. So, you know, my only assumption is, I mean, if he's doing it to me, he's going to do it to other little girls. Um, that went on quite a while, um, you know, at school at a very young age, I was being bullied 
or I would tell people things and they wouldn't believe me. They would think I'm lying. And I'm not sure why people always tend to believe the adult rather than the child, because what child at the age of three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine can make up things like this? Where do they see it? They only see it from a parental figure or from um, an adult figure, you know, and especially in my day when, you know, we didn't really have internet, there was no social media, there was no like cell phones. It was a very different time. So it's not like I could just go Google, you know, Google wasn't even around and, you know, so instead of trying to voice it, that something was happening, my actions, I would try to show up by my actions and people just thought I was just trying to get attention or I was just a troublemaker, you know, but like you got to really focus on a child, you know. That's why I'm so careful with my son. I notice his actions and his moods and the way he is. But I also know that he's not in any danger at all. So, you know, I feel like I've done a pretty good part on that. But let's bring it back to um, that. So, you know, I'm not going to get into much detail. But like I said, that's for further diaries. Um, after, um, he, you know, uh, was arrested, my mom then moved on to a different guy. Um, and this is when I was 15. So I was a freshman in high school and he also started molesting me and, you know, uh, this is part of my spiritual, mental, like new beginning journey is, And this is why my diaries are all voice memos. I don't write anything down. My lesson has been learned. You know, I had a spiral notebook that I hid in between my mattress and my box spring. That was my diary. And my mom was gone, I believe, in California or somewhere for for officer training or some type of army training. And so my grandparents were left. We were left with my grandparents. But... We were also staying at the house where, you know, my mom and her boyfriend and my sister and I lived. And one day I was at my grandparents and my grandma got this call. My mom's boyfriend at the time had went through, had went through my room because there would be times I'd come home from school and my room would look disheveled. Now I'm a very organized, neat, neat person. And I know when things are out of place and I would always see my room out of place, but I always thought it was my sister, you know, siblings, they do that. So I didn't think anything of it. It wasn't until he had faxed my grandma a page in my diary. Um, and this page basically said like, You know, this is what he's doing to me. I wish I could hurt him. This is not wrong. Like, I've, you know, like, I don't know what to do. Now, I wasn't, you know, I'm not a person who was actually going to do any harm, but like, it's called venting. Like, when is venting and writing something down on paper, like, when, like, how does that make you a danger to society? Why not look at why I want to hurt him? Why? Why we just go to like, oh, he wants, she wants to hurt somebody. Why don't we look at why he would touch my boobs or my vagina or all these things, you know? And I would pretend I was asleep because I just froze. I went back in, back in time as a child and I froze. I didn't know what to do because I couldn't believe this was happening again. 
But anyways, that starts my trek of my nine day journey in, at St. Vincent's Hospital in the psychiatric ward. Um, and I'll get to that in another diary, but you know, let's leave it at that. Then, um, when I was, uh, I believe I was still 15 beginning to be six. No, I was 16 because my birthday is in October and this happened the day after Halloween or this happened on Halloween, um, of my sophomore year in high school. Went to a really small school in a tiny, tiny town, which I do not recommend. Um, you know, I just lost my virginity at 15, um, or I guess my vagina virginity at 15 to my, you know, my little high school first boyfriend, first love bullshit. And, you know, when I lost my virginity, it was just sex. There was no foreplay. There was nothing, nothing. And all my friends were guys because I hated hanging out with girls because they were so catty and bitchy and dramatic. And I'm a very chill person and I don't have time for that. That's just my personality. So right then and there, just hanging out with a whole bunch of guys, I was called a whore to begin with. But anyways, um, you know, me and my friends had got done trick-or-treating and we went back to this guy's house. And he was like the most popular guy in school. His parents were well-known. His family was well-known around town. And I asked him to use the bathroom and, you know, his house was kind of big. So he took me and he showed me, but it ended up not being his bathroom. It was his bedroom. Um, I didn't know that until the light turned on and he was standing behind me and he was the last one in the room and locked the doors. So I was like, here we go again, you know, and, um, Let's just say I gave I gave my very first forceful blowjob, um, and you know I did try to fight my way out of that, but you know he was a he was a big guy. There's how much could I fight back? You know, um, it was not enjoyable at all. I was crying the whole time, which I don't know how can, I don't know how that can turn on a guy, but to each their own. Um, but anyways, so I went to probably multiple schools growing up, at least seven different schools. Um, my mom had then met my, I would call him my second stepdad or my father figure. Um, He was amazing. He was the first man in my mom's life that didn't do anything to me and that he actually cared about me. And we would have these long, long chats. And his name was Jack. And I'm going to call him Jack number one because after that, my mom dated a guy named Jack number two and he was also amazing. So I'm going to reference Jack number one and Jack number two in my diaries, just so you know. My mom, Jack number one was my mom's boss in the military. And they worked together for years and finally they, you know, when they, they got different jobs at different locations, they were finally able to kind of go out with, you know, dating. Cause you know, dating your boss is blah, blah. There's a stigma around that. Um, he was amazing. Um, so at age 17, they both got jobs. Um, I believe at the Pentagon. And so we moved out to Northern Virginia And that is where my life, you know, has changed. 
for once I got out of Oregon. Oregon is very, very white, very narrow-minded, uh, very, I call them progressive rednecks. Um, I love everybody here. Like I said, I was raised here. Oregon's my home, but the people could use some life experience. And what I'm talking about is get out of your fucking small little town. Don't just travel in Oregon. Go to other states and not just states like California and Washington. Go on the East Coast. Go to New York. Go to Miami. Go to D.C. So go to Atlanta. Go surround yourself with different people from different cultures because you learn so fucking much. And there's so much out there in the world that it's mind-blowing and it's intriguing and it, it makes me have drive. But anyways, I moved out to the East Coast and honestly, it was a complete cultural shock. And I think it would be like that for anybody who grew up here in a very white area and you didn't see... Uh, certain people of color and I'm not just talking about African Americans I'm talking about you know straight up Middle Easterns that wear hijabs and wear the whole shebang um you know it was a little frightening at first I'm going to admit that but you know I was like but why why is this frightening I shouldn't have to be frightened I was only frightened of because of how I grew up and the people I surrounded myself with what they're not scary people. We all come from the same thing. Just because we look a little different or speak a little different or smell a little different or, you know, we move a little differently. We're still, the, we still, when it comes down to our atoms and to science, we are all the same. Um, and some of my bestest of friends are just, they're not from here. They're from the Middle East or they're from South America or they're from Europe or whatever. And it's, You know, I loved it. I got out of my shell and was meeting people and learning about languages and cultures and, you know, and it was just amazing. Then um, I had met my ex-husband at the age of 17 um, and I found out I was pregnant like two or three days before Christmas of 2008 or 2007. I always forget what year my son was born. Don't tell him that. He gets so mad. Um, yeah, he was born 8, 9, 08. So yeah, like three, two or three days before Christmas in 2007. And obviously as being a teen mom, I was not prepared, but I knew that abortion was against my values. Now, I believe a woman has a right to her own body and I will support any woman who needs support in getting an abortion. I will 100% support it. It's not something that I would do due to my own personal beliefs and my own faith, but I'm going to support whoever needs to be supported to do it. You know, like I said, women have the right to their own body. Nobody should be able to control it. No man, no doctor, no science. Women, we know our bodies. We know our bodies. Our bodies go through so much. And I just wanted to clarify that. Um... So, you know, for a while I did think about an open adoption, you know, but as the months went on, I believe five, six months and, you know, he was like growing inside me. I started realizing that like, I'm, I'm like, I have this connection with him and I don't think I could let him loose. I don't think I could let him leave the grasp of my fingers. Um, I started feeling this love that I've never felt before and that's unconditional love. And I never felt that in my life up until that point at 18 
when I was pregnant. Um, I had him natural birth. Um, we did have to use a vacuum, so he was born with a little cone head. And for the longest time, because nobody told me about the helmet that could shape a baby's skull the first few months, um, he was SpongeBob Squarehead, um, was his nickname around my family and my ex's family. And um, love him to death, love my kid to death. His head has finally grown out. Well, meh. the way it should be, kind of, sort of. <laughs> um, and he's great. And then, you know, my ex and I, we were on and off for 12 years or so, you know, um, we always came back to one another and it was always my ex leaving, you know, I always stayed. I never, I never diverted. I never cheated. I never did anything. I'm not that type of person. I believe if you're with somebody, you're with them hundred percent. I was with him hundred percent, but he was only with me maybe 30%. But being as a single parent, a single mom, I didn't really want to be alone. I like, I almost felt kind of stuck and that's not how you should feel but that's how I felt for the longest time anyways I lived in DC or Northern Virginia for 10 11 years and then we ended up my ex and I and Daniel we ended up moving to Miami um, and that was so fun it was that move should have been not as fast or impulsive as it should have been because I felt like that's what kind of made us crash and burn or part of the reason why um god I was only there six eight nine months I believe and shit hit the fan and I left my ex and I went back home to Oregon with Daniel and a part of me regrets leaving him but I also know that I had to for not just my sake but for his sake as well and I love him dearly and I'm always going to be in love with him and he's like my one love you know I'm the type of woman who loves one person and one person only um and I've loved and you know I feel very fulfilled by that so I don't feel the need to love again if that makes sense like, sure, I can love somebody, like, as a friend, but, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just feel at peace. Um, you know, so then that brought me back home to Oregon, and as much as I love my family, sometimes they can drive me crazy, and it, uh, mm, love them dearly, but I think everybody's family can drive them a little crazy. Um... My family and I have always had a rough relationship, but I feel like as I've gotten older, um, you know, our relationships have gotten better between each person in my family. Some some people I never had issues with. There was a few that I did for certain reasons. Um, you know, and I came back here, I believe I came back here when I was 30. On my 30th birthday, I was here. I came back here from Miami. So I've been in Oregon for about two years now. I'm 32. Um, my son is 13. He's in seventh grade. He is very Mr. Independent. Doesn't want anything to do with mom. And I've been told that's normal, but, you know, being the mom that I am and I love that kid and I already know what type of mom I'm going to be. I'm going to be crying at his high school graduation. I'm going to be sobbing hysterical when I drive him to college. I already know. I already know and I'm proud of it. I am proud of it because I could be 
a shitty mom and not fucking care about my child at all. But this kid is the center of my life. He is the center of my world. He is the reason why I am here today. Oh, forgot to mention that some of the other things I will be talking in my podcast is um, after um, what happened to me at age 15, I tried to commit suicide by swallowing a bottle of Prozac or was it Zoloft? It was one of the two. I think it was Prozac. Um, Had my stomach pumped, but they had already dissolved. But luckily, um, you know, for whatever reason, it wasn't my time to go. And then at age 18, um, on January, on the new year of 2009, I had a plan to kill myself again, but my son saved me. He was a blessing because I found out I was pregnant two to three days before Christmas. And so obviously that didn't go through. And since then, I haven't had a thought. I haven't had a trickle of an inkling, nothing, you know. So I will be talking about that um, and mental health. And let's see, what else about me today? I have a very small group of uh, girlfriends, you know, like two to three. I want to expand that. Um, But I also like to keep my social circle very small. Um, I am working in HR. I'm a hiring coordinator for a healthcare company. And I think I finally found my fit. You know, I'm the type of person who doesn't like to work under somebody who micromanages or where like if I go get up to go to the bathroom because I have IBS and I'm in there for 20 minutes nobody's gonna knock on the door and yell at me well how come you're gone the phones are ringing you know so I'm kind of glad I have my freedom and I can make my own schedule obviously I don't take advantage of that and I never do take advantage of anything when I have certain types of freedom I don't really take any type of freedom I'm kind of one that just kind of like boom 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 you know I'm here from this time to this time no lunch lunch you know, but this is more flexible. Um, my son's going to be trying out for basketball next week, which is the beginning of November. Um, I'm currently living at my mom's and I've been living here since I moved back from Miami. Um, had a plan to move out, but COVID last year kind of put a, a pause on that and I wanted to pay off all my credit card debt. And the last thing I want is to be in any type of debt on my own as a single parent. So if I have to suck it up and be at home with my mom until that happens, then my debt's already paid off. Now I'm just waiting for things to fall in line. And I believe next spring, um, I will be moving out, which, you know, I do have help from my ex, but I'm not going to get into details about that now. Um, so I'm really thankful about that, you know, and the, I'm a big believer of the universe does things for a reason things happen when they happen at that time for a reason or things don't happen for a reason so I don't like to control oh I should rephrase that I do like to control but I also let the universe tell me when it's time or what to do or what not to do I'm very spiritual um I like to consider myself a Buddhist although I haven't practiced and been to a temple in a long time for one there are no like temples out here and if there are they're not even temples they're like little shrines and they've all been closed with covid so i haven't been really practicing but i've been keeping up with my meditation and you know my prayers and all that so i'm a huge buddhist i don't believe in religion it's religion to me is a cult and i'll explain why later on 
Um, I've dated on and off the last two years, but it's always been first dates. I haven't been in a relationship. Um, guys are a huge disappointment and the dating world right now is a huge disappointment. So I avoid it. Um, gosh, I don't even know what else. I think this is kind of a long podcast. It's already been 30 minutes. I will go in more detail about certain things, but I just want to kind of give you the gist of who I am. I'm, I'm a very chill, laid back, down to earth person because I've been through so much trauma and pain. I see things in a different light than what most people see. Um, I am very opinionated, but I also don't give a fuck if somebody agrees or disagrees with, with my opinion, their opinions, opinion, self-explanatory on that definition. Um, they're not right or wrong. Um, I'm very blunt and I'm straight to the facts. And although like I will do anything for anybody at, at any given time. So there's that. But I just wanted to say thank you for listening to me just mumble on. Um, But my ordinary life is definitely not ordinary at all. And um, I feel like not a lot of people are ready yet to share their stories or to get feedback from people. Because with my diaries, I also want people to be like, oh yeah, I resonate with that. Or maybe you should think about it this way instead of that way. You know, I'm very open to people and their feedback. I love it. It's how you learn. It's how you grow. It's how you learn is, you know, knowledge is the best thing anyone could ever have. Um, so thank you guys. And thank you for joining me on this journey. And I hope you'll come back soon.